Welcome to Mad World. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Joe here. Our first podcast today. Really excited here with Don, a.k.a. Don Adams, a.k.a. Don Rickles, a.k.a. Don King. To Don, my right. Don Knotts was actually my nickname given to me by my brother. I wonder how many people out there don't have, because we just said Rickles, Adams, Knotts. How many people out there under 30 have no idea who those people are? Probably most. Probably most. People. I know who they all are. <laughs> well, that's because you're weird and you hang with me. Yeah, right, right. Well, anyway, Knotts, we're here. It's our first <laughs> It's our first podcast. We're excited about this. Uh, a little bit about ourselves, I guess, just so you know who you're listening to. Yeah. Why don't you, since you're the uh, elder statesman, go first? Well, as, as Joe just said, my name is Donnie, and um, I am currently a senior associate pastor at Abundant Life in Whippany. Um, gosh, have done a lot of different things since... Um, being in ministry, uh, when I was uh, a young guy in ministry, I was a youth pastor. At the same time, working at Pitney Bowes in sales and sales management. Um, at one point, I was a director of national accounts, had great success in that field, and at the same time was helping Joe's dad start the church here in Whippany, and uh, it was wonderful to see young people grow, got involved with the worship ministry, so it's been a fun journey, and I'll let Joe introduce himself, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, Joe and our relationship, even when he was a young guy. Yeah, well, I'm sure there's a lot more there about you that you're not saying, but <laughs> yeah, in a nutshell, I am uh, 31 years old myself, been on staff here at the church for, uh, gosh, probably 12, 13 years. Yeah. Also was the youth pastor for a long time here, and then in the last couple of years really took more of a young adults and uh, regular pastoral role. I'm an I'm associate pastor here at the church as well. And uh, really being in ministry is uh, definitely rewarding, definitely fun, but doesn't come without its valleys, right? Absolutely. You know, experienced a lot of stuff and there's been other opportunities over the year, but ultimately you're, you're, you're trying to do what God created you to do. And uh, that's kind of the central theme of of my, you know, uh, mission, what I think my mission is, and we're, really what we're experiencing at our own church, a lot of, a lot of young adult age people in our church, and so many ask, you know, me, how do I know that I'm doing what God's called me to do? Like, right. not what I want to do, not what I have fun doing, not what I majored in, not what I can make a lot of money at. All of that stuff is fine, but why was I created? Right. Like, why was I put on the earth? Right. I mean, that is that is the central question. You are a youth pastor, and you heard that question probably most, right? Sure. I heard the same exact question in a different generation. So I don't think that changes from generation to generation. Mm. Um, the hunger is, as a young person, gosh, my whole life's ahead of me. The fear is, what if I don't find what I was created to do? What right. if I can't fit into that? Right, right. What do I do with myself? Right. You know? So it's it's been a journey, and uh, it's been neat to see a lot of young people grow in and step into that, but we've also seen some still floundering, trying to figure out where they fit in life. And you mentioned, you know, you you dealt with the same thing in your generation. So you you grew up as a you know high schooler and a young adult in the seventies, 80s, right? Yeah. So you're in the eighties. So I'm a nineties, early two thousands guy, um, and only you know a decade or two separate that. Right. But they're probably 
the most drastic generational changes in all of history, right? I would say so. <laughs> you know, like think about it. It's only, well, when did you graduate high school? 1980. Okay. So I graduated in 2005. So 25 years separates our, you know, that that's like the most crucial time of your life. Right. You're trying to figure out why was I created, right? Right. right. Um, you probably shouldn't wait till, you know, a month away from graduation. You should probably try to work on that a little bit earlier than that. But I'm just saying, generally speaking, that's a crucial time right there. Oh, absolutely. So 25 years in between the two of us. But think about what changed from 1980 to 2005. You know, we read the, we read this quote together this morning. And it was something to the effect of um, a slogan that Microsoft was doing. And uh, I, I'll probably misquote it. You know, it, not I won't exactly get it right, but they were saying um, the slogan was basically saying that you have we now, you know, kids today right. have the world at their fingertips. Or I think they actually said power. You have power at your fingertips, right. which is more than an entire generation did 20 no, years ago. No question. I mean, think about the, the lunacy of that. <laughs> that is absolute. That's absolutely crazy. <laughs> There's a kid that's, you know, you know, in middle school or high school now, and he has more information available in the palm of his hands then your entire generation combined. Right. Millions of people. So, Joe, you got to realize when I was graduating high school, there was no such thing as a cell phone. There was no such thing as a car phone. Right. And computers would take up a, a whole room. Right, right. It, so it was literally a complete different uh, experience. Right. To try to find information, you're going to the library. You know, sure. right right now, you guys... Encyclopedias. Right, right exactly. And uh, it's just amazing how that's changed so rapidly. And then when that started, when the cell phone started, technology just took off. So mm -hmm. the problems that young people are dealing with today are much different, but yet they're still trying to find out what was I created to do, what's my destiny. Right. So to bring it back full circle to how we started talking about this, my point is, is that better or is that worse for finding out why I was created today. And, right. and you know, it's not, and it's not even, it's not over 25 years either to put it in perspective. I was a freshman in high school in 2001. Right. And after baseball practice, we used to line up at a payphone to, to, you know, put 35 cents in and yeah. call our parents. Or call me to come pick you up. Or call you. And I would always <laughs> ask the operator to reverse the charges because I didn't have 35 cents on me. So that was in 2000, 2001 or right. 2002. By 2005, every kid on the team had a cell phone. Right. So this is, you know, we've obviously, it took, you know, a couple decades to really change, but there was a quick change. Oh, yeah. A very abrupt change in the mid-2000s. No question. Where a lot, of, a lot of kids got wise real quick. So again, bring it back full circle. Is that, is that better for this new generation to have the world and power and technology and, and, and all this intelligence at their fingertips? Hmm. Or has it hurt us a little bit? I don't know if we can answer that. Is that, that is... A massive question. That's a loaded question. Yeah, totally. But let's do this. Let's digress before we jump back into that. I think... Dissect? Yeah. Digress. Oh, dissect. digress. Okay. Yeah. We don't have to dissect. But we we're going to start. <laughs> we're going to pull out a couple of frogs. <laughs> no, we did that in science labs, if you remember, back in <laughs> right. high school. We're not going to do that now. But to digress for a moment before we leap forward into that, that massive question is, I think it, it was it's important for everyone to know why you and I are doing this together. Yeah. Why are we here? I have no idea. No, really, the reason that we're doing this together is because of our very unique relationship. Um, I know Joe since he's since he's been born, actually, and I can remember some really funny stories. So I think that in producing this, um, the idea was out of our relationship in two different generations, we can kind of talk about some things that are really um, um, 
real today, yeah. you know, really uh, alive mm-hmm. topics uh, from two different generations. But anyway, I can remember you probably were about, I don't know, maybe, maybe eight or nine months old. And uh, I can remember your parents struggling to find a babysitter and they asked me to come over. And so, you know, I had no experience whatsoever. You know, I was probably, what was I, 21 or something like that, maybe 20. And I'm watching you for your parents. And I can remember them saying, listen, do not give Joseph any popsicles whatsoever. And he needs to go to bed at a certain time. And I would say, yeah, definitely, no problem. And I was also a youth leader at that point. So I, I had a lot of... Uh, cra- so they, were at, they were telling you not to give me popsicles eight or nine months old? Well, I, well, I don't know. Maybe that wasn't the same story. All right, let's go back for a second. I think you're mixing two... Yeah, di- two stories, two, two, two dynamics. Two ages up. The first story is... <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, if I give you popsicles at nine months old... That I wouldn't would be, be here today. <laughs> that could be really bad. Right, I'd be in popsicle heaven. You would have had a sugar coma. Or popsicle hell, one of the two. <laughs> you would have had a sugar coma, I would have called the ambulance. But anyway, <laughs> right. so I can remember holding you, trying to get you to go to bed, and you're actually saying to me, mama, mama. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm in big trouble. I'm not your mama. <laughs> so that's how we started our great relationship. Which really is insane because I can't, I have three daughters. One just turned five, one's three, and one's five months. And the thought of letting a 20-year-old <laughs> male babysitter. They were desperate. Yeah, I hope the guy would be down with that. They're really desperate. But that started a journey, and through the years, uh, Joe and I have had so many good, funny stories, so many good uh, stories talking about the Lord and and the Bible, but uh, you'll probably hear a lot of those stories as as we go on. Yeah, so that was uh, obviously a long time ago, and who would have thought? Well, I I promise you, I wasn't at eight and nine months thinking anything. I can't remember that far back, (laughs) but you know, in the... In the uh, early years of life, I don't, I, I don't think I would have been thinking we would have been doing this podcast together. Yeah. Which, by the way, this this podcast is titled Mad World, M A D W O R L D, Mad World, and um, we kind of went back and forth with a couple different names and ideas for pot for podcasts, and we stumbled on that one um, because really we're living in a mad world. I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening. Yeah. And, you know, mad, not necessarily meaning, you know, evil or bad, but just, it's just crazy out there, man. Oh my gosh. Especially in this, we're broadcasting from New Jersey, you know, Northern New Jersey, which, you know, we're 30 minutes from, from New York city here. We're, uh, we're, we're 45 minutes from the beach. You right. know, we got the country in our backyard. So very can, can eclectic. We go, can we go now to the beach? I, I would, would love to go to the get beach out of right here. Now. I would love to, it's we well. I'd love to do a lot of things. We're going to the beaches <laughs> up there, but it's just it's it's crazy out there. But especially here, we have a lot of a lot of stuff happening in this part of the country. So yeah. we're going to address some of those issues. We'll we'll talk about some fun stuff. We'll talk about some serious stuff. We'll talk about some political stuff. We'll talk about some 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 uh, spiritual stuff. This is about our faith. This is about our family. This is about. Uh, business. This is about finances. This is about this is about stuff that people go through. The madness out there. The mad world. It is a mad world. <laughs> so should we now go back to what we were talking about? What we were talking about was has, has dissecting. Yeah, we're dissecting technology. Right. Right. Yeah. So, like a pig. Well, we, and by the way, we're like. I actually texted him this morning and I said, "Dude, we forgot to, to we forgot about to talk about the podcast. So we're kind of not like scripting this. We're just." 
kind of going off what, you know, whatever off the top of our heads here. But I think that's interesting how that topic came up. Right. Because really, this should be front and center, not just of the church, but of the world. This is the future of our world, is this generation. Right. You know, I mean, what, 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 what are our thoughts on that? What are we going to do to, pre- to prepare them? You know, do we have a voice in their, in their lives or do they have to figure this out on their own? I mean, what do you think? I, I mean, I think we need to have a voice in their lives, um, my generation and your generation. But I think that all starts with relationship, right? Absolutely. And trust. So one of the things that I see a lot, I don't know how you feel about this, Joe, but one of the things I see a lot is technology has been great. I love technology myself. I use it for ministry. I use it constantly, right? But I've noticed that a lot of younger people uh, deal with a lot more anxiety issues. And I'm wondering, what's the connection between the, the catapulting of information available and you know the obsession with the cell phone, video right. games, all these things that have made us... Um, yeah, we got a lot of information coming at us at any subject, any time, you know, that we want it at our disposal. Mm-hmm. But is it stressing us out? Right. Yeah, I think, I mean, definitely, there's no question about it. Um, you know, my my concern, um, you know, at 15 or 16 years old was not what the concerns of a 15 or 16-year-old today are. Let's talk about that. You know, like, think um, of, I'll go back to my 15, 16. And yours so, even, yeah, yours right. even less than mine. Right. You know, I used to ride up on a dinosaur to school at 15 and 16. <laughs> right, right. And, uh, you know, live off, a, live off the land. Right, exactly. Go pick berries for lunch. Exactly. And, I used to have to walk other places with no shoes or socks. Walk uphill to school both ways. Right. Yeah, I took the bus uphill <laughs> both ways. But that's like another thing. Like there's actually I live in a pretty, pretty uh, country community. I mean, we don't even I won't tell you where because we don't have any police officers. So, um I don't want to. I don't want anyone breaking in. <laughs> no ideas. Yeah, no ideas. Right. But where I live is a very, very laid back community, very country community. We don't even have any cops in town. Um, and I see when I leave, you know, for work sometimes in the morning, I see the, the the kids getting dropped off by their parents at the bus stop. It's only like ten houses away from the bus stop. Right. And their parents are driving them to the bus stop. And I'm not saying that shouldn't that shouldn't be the case because, you know, it's just a different generation. Right. Like, you know, we I you know we we walked to the bus stop 15 right. years ago. Or you walked to school. Yeah. Right. Right. In my generation, you walked to school. Yeah. Right. 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 It was, and, and I don't live in Harlem. You know what right, I'm saying? Exactly. But it's just there is this. It's just different, man. It's right. just different. You know, I you know I'm from the streets, but not from Harlem. Well, I'm not really from the streets. I'm from country communities. But I'm telling you, it's it it is a different. It is a different world today, man, and I don't know that that's all good, and I probably will drive my kids to the bus stop because, you know, I want them to be safe and I want to protect them, but I wonder if we keep them in a bubble, you know, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I think it has a lot to do with the mad world we live in. I think it has a lot to do with, there's a lot of fear. Right. There's a lot of uh, racial tension. There's a lot of talk about gun control. We're not going to get into that right now, but... Please. There's a lot of fear out there. I mean, what's going on in schools? Mm-hmm. Uh, people have a lot of fear. That's why you got to drive your kid to the bus stop that's right. 10 houses down sure. the road. When I was 15 and 16, Joe, you know, um, I mean, yeah, my, my parents, my mom might drive me to school, but I'm saying we were out all day long. 
Um, we weren't working on phones or any kind of devices or playing video games. We weren't doing those things. We were outside all day long, you know, pick a pickup basketball game, a pickup right, football right. game, a, a pickup baseball game. And if we wanted to see our friend, we got on our 10 speed bike and we drove across town. Sure. And that's how we got around. And there was, life was just easier. Right. There wasn't a lot of this stress coming at us. There wasn't so much available to us that had us really... Uh, and ang anxious all the time. I that's one of the concerns I have. I see kids. So let me anxious. ask you because I really never experienced even the '90s kids were a little probably a little too late to experience that. You know the uh, black and white images of you know all American Johnny and his Chuck Taylors driving right. his bike to his friend's house. You right. know across town. Do you think that? Do you think that that's that we're worse off for not having that freedom for kids not having that freedom to do that today? Well, you couldn't do it today. Because you don't know if your kid is going to get abducted. You don't know what's going to happen down the street. There's just so much insanity out there because it's a mad world. Anyway. Right. But so you couldn't do that today. Yeah. You know, and that's sad. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely sad that you couldn't actually pull that off today. Sure. Uh, because that was enjoyable. I remember, you know, riding my bike to my friend's house and just like hanging on his front step and then mm -hmm. picking up a pickup game of stickball or something. And that's what we did all day. And then right. went inside and his mother made us lunch or something. You know, my parents didn't have to worry about the fact that I was down the street. There was total peace because even all the neighbors were, you know, watching out for each other's kids. Mm -hmm. It was a different day. Yeah. I, I, I try to stay, you know, somewhat up, but even the, as quickly as the world changed in the early 2000s, it's still changing, you know? Yeah. And it's, 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 it's tough to stay, you know, relevant and know what's going on today. But, um, you know, I try being a, having been a youth pastor for a long time, now being a young adults pastor, try to stay up and, you know, be relevant to what's going on in the culture. But I get concerned because these kids today that were your concern was, are we going to have enough players for the pickup basketball exactly. game or whatever? Today is, you know, um, I posted a picture this morning and if I'm going to check every five minutes and if I... If I don't get a hundred likes, my world is crashing. Exactly, you know, that's a problem. You right. know, that's and and you know, not to get into all the the scientific things and the dopamine that's released when a kid you know checks their Instagram and there's not enough likes. But this this is you know we, we got a lot. Of, we, we're we're producing a lot of kids with problems. Oh, every kid's man. classified. Every kid has some type of a you know some type of a, a disability or learning disability or whatever. Could it be? that there's too much power at our fingertips? Could it be there's too much technology at our fingertips? Man, you are hitting it right now because reality is that the video, we talk, we talk about addiction, right? We're concerned about addiction. No one wants their kid to be addicted to pornography, addicted to drugs, right? You don't want your kid addicted to alcohol. You don't want them addicted to any kind of vice, right? We all agree with that. Right. That's not what we want. But what we're seeing is there's absolutely a bona fide addiction to Social media, there's a bona fide addiction to um, uh, video games. Right. You say, how do you know that? I mean, I have I have kids at home. I had my son as a teenager, and and I remember when he was coming up, the video games are so involved that you actually obviously are, are you have a group of your friends playing the same game from different locations. That was unheard of when I was growing up. But the but the reality is is it becomes addictive because they're so real, they're so lifelike. And the the fighting is real. The shooting is real. Right. And so you're so engrossed and captivated by the images of the game that it becomes addicting. Yeah. And right in our own home, I, I've seen that happen. You know, when my kid was growing up, Michael, my, my oldest son, 
you know, he loved the games and we let him play games. After a while, it got out of control where right. you can leave in the morning and come back at night from work and they're still playing the same game eight, nine hours later. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's an addiction. It's a problem and it's causing stress in our kids' lives. And it's also messing up our social skills. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's well, a the, And the irony is it's called social media, but I think it's making a less social generation. I right. mean, some, ba I'm not talking about, you know, like high level stuff here, like some basic social skills most kids lack in, just right. how to communicate with each other. And I mean, why is that? Because, you know, what was once, you know, look look somebody in the eye and address them and, and talk to them respectfully is now typing on a keyboard. Right. You know, so that, that that's a problem. Here's a question. And parents are listening. Your generation's listening. Reality check. How many young people simply say hello when they see you? Yeah, right, right. Something's changed. Right. I, I talk really... I talk about that with our young adults leadership group from the church. This is the this is the most mature group of your twenty something year olds. Right. And some of them don't get it. Some of them it doesn't register. Like, you know, I've I've just gone over stuff like, you know, when someone twenty years your elder walks in the door, just, you know, say hello. Right. And so that's like the first time some of them are hearing that. Right. You know, so it's it's a different world. It's a mad world is what it's a it mad is. Mad world. <laughs> but um yeah, which actually, you know, makes me think about um you know, the social media and stuff, you know, I remember when I can remember like sending my first text messages and kid, you know, kids might not be a ton of, you know, kids listening to this, but you know, young kids, 12, 13 year olds listening to this, they might say like, think that, you know, that we're archaic for that. But I can remember when texting first started, right. You know, and what is, this happened to me yesterday. Somebody texted me, or I should say, um, I texted them. We'll leave their name out of it. But, um, you know, they, they had originally asked me a question in the beginning of the day, you know, morning, and I got back to, I'm pretty OCD with texting back. You're the only one I know worse than me. Yeah, I'm pretty bad. Than this. Like if someone reaches out to me, chances are I'm going to get back to you immediately. And I'm not saying that's how it should be. That's just me. I don't right. like things, you know, sitting. But so it took her like, you know, eight hours to get back to me. So what's the text etiquette there, Donnie? Do we, do I, do I need to get back to her at that point? Do I just not like, do I, do I have to get back to her? Can I just hit the, you know, the like features on the text? Yeah. Cause I feel the like thumbs up or, yeah, yeah, well, or haha. Well, let's talk about this for a second because if I text somebody and they just hit the thumbs up, I feel violated. Like, you do. I feel like you, sh you, 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 there's a reason you did that and you didn't actually take the time to text me. Or if I say something funny to someone and they just write back, haha. Like if they didn't write ha ha ha, I feel violated again. Yeah. You may need deep counseling. Well, but, but this is what we're going through now. I'm 31 years old and I'm saying that. Imagine what some of these young people are thinking. Exactly. Their world comes crashing down when they're not, you know, they're not getting their, their stuff right. So what is your etiquette? So eight hours later, someone texts you back. Do you get back to them at all or no? No, I usually whip my phone against the wall. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and then you tell the, tell the phone company that you had an accident and they give you no one. For exactly. Free. That's how you get free phones. Right. That's, that's my plan. So okay. text me. We're pastors, by the way, and we're giving a quick lesson in insurance fraud. So <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Um, interesting stuff. I mean, I'm a, with all that being said, I'm probably more excited now, though, today about what's happening in, in the world. You know, we can say what we want about millennials and Generation Z, but there are, there are, generation, there are generations that want to be involved. Right. They want to showcase the talents that God has given them. Some of them don't realize that God's given them to right. them, but they, they want to be involved. They want to be used. 
they want to be a part of something greater than themselves. Yeah, you know what? And that, that is because of the technology. Totally. You know, that is because of power at our fingertips. My generation wanted to um, secure wealth, status, bigger homes. Right. Uh, a vacation home for their family. Mm -hmm. That was like the focus of my generation. Right. My parents, you know, they worked really hard and provided what they could for us. And then our generation, it seemed, took it to the next level and wanted to provide more for our kids. Mm -hmm. What I see, and, and this is not necessarily bad, this generation, the positive side is they want to do something that matters. Yeah, not so much just right get on. paid. I mean, yep. I can get paid to do anything, right? You can get paid to whatever. Uh, you want to become a stockbroker. You want to be an insurance salesman. You want to be a, a tradesman, whatever. You can work your, your, your tail off and make money. That's yep. great. But I think this generation, one of the things that I'm picking up that I love is the fact that they want to make a difference and what they do with their life, they want to matter. Right. Not just a house or a car or whatever. Sure. And that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good stuff. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, uh, a, a very large uh, Yankee fan. I'm an avid listener and caller on the Michael K show every day on my way home from work. Michael K, if you're listening to this one day, Don LaGreca, Peter Rosenberg, I want to be on your show. But um, <laughs> take, I call them. Take me with you. I, <laughs> I call them and they often just snip my, my line, you know, pretty quickly. Um, you know, I haven't had a ton of airtime on there, but I like to call and talk about the Yankees. And one thing that, that I, and I've said this so many times in, in different sermons when talking about the, the two generations, you know, blending them together, is, you know, my first full season as a fan was 1996, okay? Mm -hmm. I was 10 years old, and that was the start of the Yankees' 90s and 2000s dynasties and winning all these World Series. And I have a bat that I keep in my office with all the names of the uh, 25 players that were on that 1996 team, and... There was some 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 older wily veterans that were kind of at the end of their career, but then you also had young rookies, right? Guys like Derek Jeter and Andy Pettit and Mariano Rivera. You know, they were they were young kids. They were you know they were in their young twenties, and and the blend of the two made championship teams. Having the veterans, having the the experience that veterans bring, um, but having the youth, having the energy, having the 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 less injuries of those young guys created this dynasty, you know, and, and I often use it as a parallel to the church, you know, and, and I love the, I love the uh, Paul in the new Testament because he often talks about athletics and right. parallel sports to, to our Christian walk. But that's, I really believe that. I, I believe that strongly. I'm seeing a lot of young uh, people, you know, my world is ministry. So I'm sure this happens in business and stuff like that too, but I'm seeing a lot of young uh, guys coming up, you know, getting getting fresh out of Bible school and, uh, you know, Bible college or seminary and and getting into ministry, you know, at 25, 26, 27, 28 years old, uh, just trying to reinvent this thing and kind of do it a different, totally different way than it's done. So, like, what are your thoughts on that for someone that's, you know, in a different generation, you know, you're, you're in that boomer generation, right. you know, myself in the millennial generation, you know, I believe that the key to winning and becoming successful and being a championship team, whether it be in sports or whether it be in ministry, is to have the voice of both generations, oh, no. not one way or the other. If you if you if you just go with the way it's been done for all our lives, probably not going to be relevant. If we just go with this new style, you're probably going to be offensive to certain people right. and hurt your cause. Mm -hmm. You know. Right. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, that's just a great observation. I totally, totally get it. I totally think that we do need 
um, both generations. Um, I think we need a voice speaking in. And, and, and it's interesting. I watch around the dinner table when all of our families get together for an event, when Mother's Day, Father's Day, whatever. And all, some of the kids now are growing up. They're adults. They're in their 20s. They're, they're, you know, they're getting married. They're having children. And I watch some of my peers, the uncles, when the young people are coming in and their ideals are a little different than what um, some of us older guys have, have valued and lived by. Mm-hmm. And even our choices in politics, we won't get into that, but, um, and I could see in the older generation, their response to something that might not be accurate and it might be a perspective based on, you know, not having um, worked a long time or paid a lot of taxes or gone through what some of the, how life beats you up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so their perspective can be a little more naive than some of the older guys that have lived life and, and done life and, and what, what have you. And I could see there's a disconnect. So I think it's really important how my generation interacts with your generation Absolutely. and younger. I think it's important that we don't lecture instantly. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that we don't just shut them down instantly or even make derogatory comments because... Right. You know, the, the younger generations, a derogatory comment shuts you down. It doesn't challenge you right. to, to do better or something. It yep. just shuts you down. Like, wow, they're not even really interested in me or they don't really care about me. That right. was really hurtful what they said. So I think it starts out with embracing and trying to find out my generation needs to get involved with your generation. From my perspective, I'll, we'll hear yours as well. But I need to get involved with your generation and the younger generation to talk about what they're feeling, to talk about you know, their ideals and to hear them out and to show support. When that happens, I think we gain their, their respect. I think we gain um, a voice into their lives. And I think they'll come and ask us our opinion right. and be open to our opinion instead of us just lecturing and saying, that's the way it's done. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the way it's always been done. And all you're doing, changing it is kind of breaking the model that worked all these years. So why would you do that? You know, I think and there might be truth in that, but I think in embracing the next generation and talking to this next generation, getting involved in their world, being interested in what they're interested in, spending right. some time and hearing their heart, because I think that's an important, because they, they do need our voice, because why would Absolutely. you not, yeah, why would you not want somebody who has experience yeah, yeah, in yeah, life yeah. years beyond you? Just like, you know, if you're, if you're a young guy and you graduated um, from medical school and you, you're, a, you're a neurosurgeon right? Well, wouldn't you want to work with somebody that's been in the field 30 years, 25 years, has practiced um, um, in the field, surgeries, on and on, so that you're not making major mistakes. I mean, it's critical as a neurosurgeon. You can kill people pretty easily, yeah. obviously, So, or any kind of a surgeon or any kind of a doctor. Why would we think that you know the people that have gone before us that have gained this world and wealth of experience? Because Time and trial are the two elements that give you experience. Yeah. And, and why wouldn't you want to learn from that experience? And, and I think most of the time, not all the time, I think most of the time people that have gone on the journey a little longer really want to help the next generation not to bang their head against the wall, not to make major mistakes that are going to have, have, have cause you major setbacks, major financial setbacks, mm-hmm. 
major moral setbacks. So I think for the most part, the desire is there. I think we have a disconnect often in the relationship. Yeah, well, and that's that. You said it before, and you just said it again. The relationship is the key. You're not going to be able to have a voice in someone's life unless there is a relationship. You right. Know? Um, but hey, it's this is real stuff, man. I mean, you have uh, four kids. Three of them are adults. Yeah. You know, but my kids are little, and I'm concerned about the future. I'm right. concerned. You know, I'm now. I don't have to worry about it because they're too too little, but. You know, I'm thinking about like, hey, what age do I have to start giving them a cell phone? Like what, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about this stuff, you know? Right. Um, and, and it's probably going to change by then. Yeah, right. By the time they're 17 and all. I mean, technology is going to be sure. moving even quicker. Yeah. So, I mean, this is real stuff. This is a conversation in closing here that I think that is the most important front and center topic uh, you know, really, you know, fr- from our world, from the world of, you know, the ministry and from church, I think it's the number one important thing in the church today. Um, I think it's equally as important out there in the world, but um, a friend of ours, pastor friend of ours, Dennis Shear, was just at the Ramp uh, Church. Or I don't know if it was at the Ramp, but it was, I think the Ramp hosted this conference, which is a great church from Alabama, and um, actually uh, roomed uh, with, with the, the, the pastor of the Ramp, Micah Wood, from uh, the Ramp Alabama when we were in Israel a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, they had like twelve or 1,300 youth out, you know, it was a powerful conference. And Dennis, you know, t- texted me some pictures from there. And I texted him back and I said, we got to do a conference just about this topic, about the, the generations blending, not, not blending the generations, but, you know, passing the torch, mm-hmm. you know, because this is crucial to the future of the church. This is crucial. Church attendance is down. Biblical literacy is down, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in the coming, you know, weeks yeah. and the episodes that we do. But th- this this stuff is this is statistics. This is not up for debate. Right. So so you know, uh, th- this next generation of of Christians is really really crucial. And wouldn't we want to prepare them? Wouldn't we want to be in relationship with them? Wouldn't yeah. we want to be you know be making a difference with them? Absolutely. So it's real stuff. It's good stuff, and uh, we're going to continue to talk about it. And we're going to continue talking about real issues because it's a mad world out there. It's a mad world.